Amen. Welcome this morning. It's great to have you here. Uh, please take a seat. Thanks, guys. Great job. Uh, thank you, Lord. Well, whoa, I've gone up. <laughs> it's great to be in church. It's great to be here. Um, who also likes watching movies? Just on a slight tangent. Sorry, I feel really, really echoey. That's um, really distracting me. Who likes movies? Who's got a favourite movie? A few people got favourite movies. I actually got to go to the movies a couple of times over the holidays, and uh, it was actually Star Wars twice. And uh, how many people have seen Star Wars? Who's seen Star Wars? And the hands up quickly while those people still got their hands up. Who doesn't like Star Wars? So we don't know who is who. No. Uh, and uh, I actually heard someone say that they think Star Wars, the new one, was the best movie they've ever seen. And I'm trying to think, yes, I think that person is actually here today. Um, not naming any names, but... Uh, on the other hand, how many people have been to a movie or watched a movie and you just wish you hadn't bothered spending that two hours of your life? And you think, why did I use that two hours of my life watching that movie? Um, now, I'm a big believer in that uh, we, we should fix our thoughts on whatever is true, lovely, admirable, excellent, worthy of praise. And there's a lot of movies I'm not even going to bother turning on. But I've got to admit, there's some movies I have watched, I've got to the end of it and I thought, why did I bother watching that? And I, I thought it was going to turn out okay, and then something happens at the end, and I'm just like, well, that was garbage. <laughs> I'm like, why did they do that? <laughs> And I remember there was a movie we watched probably a few months back, and, uh, and I think actually halfway through, I, I realised, I've, I've seen this before, and uh, it takes me a while sometimes. I actually, actually watched a movie twice and go, what's going to happen the second time? I, just, I still don't remember. <laughs> it's like, life has continued, I've, I've forgotten what happened. Anyway, we're watching this movie, and as it gets to the end, I, I, I have this feeling starting to come in me, and... To be honest, I've, I actually think Rochelle realised a lot sooner than I am. I did, which, anyway. Um, <laughs> but this, this movie, the last time we saw it, but at the end of the movie, I just felt horrible. I had the, like a, an anger, but a sadness, and I just, a, I just felt disgusting. And it wasn't the movie was terrible, it wasn't a bad movie, but just something about the movie, the, the, the things it was talking about, the, the things that happened just stirred something in me that I hated it. I just hated it. And it got to the end of the movie a second time and I hated it. And I, I just wish I hadn't watched it. <laughs> I felt terrible. And I say all that for this reason, that life affects our emotions. Life happens and it's like a roller coaster. We, we, we go up, we go down. Life happens and we take a bend. And Life affects our emotions. Day by day, we have things that happen. And we go up, we go down. We buy a pair of new shoes, and we've got new sneakers. We're excited. We're happy. We've got a bit of spring in our step. It reminds me of someone. Um, and we're excited. We're happy. And the next day, we're at a barbecue, and we're eating a sausage, and we spill sauce on our shoes. And suddenly, we go down. We're like, stupid thing. I shouldn't have put sauce there. And that guy knocked me in. And suddenly, one little thing. And you just, the roller just goes, it just goes, zoom, down there. At school, in my chaplaincy role, I, we sometimes draw the roller coaster of the, the, the days that kids have had, and life affects our emotions. And on the, on the more serious scale, people die, and the roller coaster can take a turn that we never expected sometimes. On the other hand, relationships can break down, there can be heartache in, in, within relationships, and it, it's a, a hard journey to, to, to follow sometimes. 
Jeremiah chapter 17. I can't remember, I didn't write down the verse, sorry. It says, who can understand the human heart? Who feels like they, they, they just know everything about people's emotions and understand them completely? Who understands their, their husband or their wife completely, or their brother or their sister or their mother or their father? None of us can understand the human heart. Our emotions are so fickle. Uh, who's ever had one of those days you wake up in the morning, you get out of bed, and the moment your feet hit the ground, you're just a grump. It's like, don't touch me, don't talk to me, don't go near me. And on the other hand, you wake up some days and you, and you wake up and you just want to laugh. You just, you just wake up and you're laughing. Maybe not you. But, um, <laughs> who can understand the human heart? Who can understand it? And for those of us who are Christians, those who follow Christ, who know Christ, our emotions get the best of us at times too. We're people just like anyone else. But for the next eight weeks, we're going to begin a journey. We're going to be looking at hope and the fact that there is hope. And I hope you can read our word up the back there. It says hope to remind you that we're talking about hope for the next eight weeks. Right up until Easter, we're going to be talking about hope. And on the back table there, there's actually some little flyers. Uh, and we want to encourage you to invite someone to church to hear about the hope that we have. To pray about who can you invite to church. To have one on the, the front table we have at the door. What's that called? Hall table, whatever you call it. Have one at the front door. Have one in your diary. Have one on your desk at work. Just for, waiting for that opportunity that God just prompts you. Say, hey, invite them. Maybe they're feeling a bit hopeless that day and God wants to just invite them along. I encourage you to do that. We're going to be talking about hope. What is hope, though? What does it mean if we have hope? Does that mean we, we, we don't have any more bad days, that we always feel happy, that life is just continual bliss? Actually, a roller coaster that goes pretty straight would be pretty boring, wouldn't it? I haven't thought of that till right now. I'm like, wow, that'd be boring. As I, as I said before, Christians suffer too. Christians have turmoil in their life. I think if, if someone was in a war and, and, and they'd, they'd been in the battle and they'd lost an arm from the, the scars and the, the, the things that had happened in battle, they'd lost an arm, they'd become a Christian. I don't think many of us would, would look at a person that's lost an arm and then becomes a Christian and says, hey, where's your arm? Like, you're a Christian, you're, you're, you're a follower of Jesus, like, you're, you're supposed to have hope for everything, like, hasn't, why hasn't your arm grown back? We just wouldn't do that, would we? And yet at the same time, someone else, they, they've lost a husband or a wife, they've lost someone close to them, and they're, they're grieving deeply. And they become a Christian, and we, we look at the person, and I think at times we can be at, at risk of saying, hey, you're a Christian, why, why aren't you filled with hope again? Why, aren't you, why, why are you still grieving? You're a Christian. But we still suffer the effects of things in life. We still go through heartache. We still go through turmoil. The same way we wouldn't expect someone who's lost an arm to suddenly have two arms again, someone who's, who's been injured emotionally, we can still be injured as Christians. That's not to say that Christ doesn't bring joy into our heart, that joy that can undergird all things. But our emotions are fickle, our emotions are affected by life. If you read through the Bible, you read about uh, Elisha and Jonah and Paul, these great apostles, these great men of faith, and yet each one of them said, it would be better if I died. They lay down and prayed, God, please take me. Take me away. I just want to die. These great men of God. And yet they just wish to be gone. Depression doesn't discriminate whether you have faith or you don't have faith. 
Life happens, life comes, life goes, and our emotions are affected. You may be struggling with depression today. And I want to say, as Christians, we should not beat ourselves up because life happens and our emotions are affected. We shouldn't beat ourselves up, we shouldn't beat others up for the way that they might be feeling at a certain point in time. Let's be people that encourage one another, that stand alongside each other, even when we're in that down place, when the roller coaster's taking a turn and we feel like just jumping off. But I want to say again, so what is hope? What is hope? I think a really simple, basic term that uh, you could just use to describe hope, hope is believing things can be better. Hope, hoping, hope is believing that things can be better than they might otherwise be. Hope is believing that today might be okay. It might actually not be so bad. We've got hope for tomorrow. We're going to believe that tomorrow might actually be all right. Sorry, I'm just going to turn the page. <laughs> hope is a fundamental need of humanity. We cannot function without hope. If we have absolutely no hope, it is almost impossible to get out of bed in the morning. Maybe you've been in that place. And you probably already knew that hope is a fundamental need of all people. And you're thinking, okay, so what am I supposed to do about it? I'm feeling hopeless. What do I do? We're going to look this morning at the Christian hope. And the Christian hope is this. Let's turn to Romans chapter 5, verse 6. If you've got your Bibles there, I encourage you, let's open our Bibles. It's on the screen. Maybe you can underline it in yours. Check out your translation, see the different emphases on the different syllables. That joke never gets old with me. I love it. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 to 8. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. That is the Christian hope, that we were utterly hopeless. We were, we, we were all sinners, condemned and and. Deserving judgment. We we're all in that place. We were utterly helpless. We, we cannot help ourselves. We cannot change our past. We cannot change our future. But God is our creator. On Monday night, I was here at, for Bible College for the first night. If you missed it and you want to come along, please do. And we had a great time Monday night uh, listening to Ian Miller. And he was talking about the Old Testament and how right from the beginning of the Bible, it's like God is a kid showing his favourite movie, just fast-forwarding to all the important good bits. He's like, whoa, you've got to have a look at this. You've got to check this out. And right from the start, he says, look at this. I spoke and the world came into being. I am your creator. I formed the birds. I formed the planets. I formed you. I know you. I know how you should work. And it was perfect. It was good when it was as I created it to be. But then the sin comes into the world and... and and we see the perfect, holy, pure God and his response to, to sinful people. Adam and Eve's sin, and yet God, as the, the holy, righteous judge, could have wiped them out and said, that's it, you're gone. 
But right from the beginning, right from the start of the Bible, God establishes that he is, a, he is a righteous judge, but he is also a merciful, loving, and compassionate God. And right through the Old Testament, we see that pattern established through the Noah and the Noah's Ark and the flood. Some people might say that that's a story of God's judgment, but more so it's a story of God's grace and his mercy, because he could have rightfully wiped out all people, but he said, no, Noah, build an ark. And he said, tell people to come and, and, and get on the ark. And if anyone came to him and, and, and accepted what the, the, the way of escape, they could be saved. God established right from the beginning that he is a gracious and loving God. We were utterly helpless. But Jesus came and died for us. Jesus is that way of escape. Just like the ark for the people in, when the flood occurred. Anyone who enters into this relationship with Jesus Christ will be saved. We have the way of escape. God is not a, a, a God who's waiting to judge us. He's a kind and merciful and loving God who has provided the way of escape. And He calls us to come to Him that we might find life. And I'll just think of what Sam said this morning, that even in those moments when we struggle, when our emotions are on top of us, we can sort of try and just be strong in ourselves or we can come to Him, the one who is our strength and our way of escape. John chapter 8, verse 12, puts it this way. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Jesus is the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. You know, we can know Jesus is our saviour and then just still try and do life on our own and I think we still walk in darkness in this earth when we do that. But you won't have to walk in darkness because we have the light that leads to life. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. You might want to turn there. We're going to read a few, few verses there. Ephesians chapter 2. Can't hear many pages flicking, but maybe you've all got phones with Bibles on them now. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way following the passions, passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For He raised us from the dead along with Christ, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, 
so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. It's God who has done this work in us. It's God's grace that saves us. It's, it's God that has done what needs to be done. The Christian hope is that once we were dead, we were doomed forever, one translation says. But God is so rich in mercy. He loves us so very much. He's given us grace. He's given us a gift, an undeserved favor that we can be saved by His grace, that we might now live and have life on this earth and in eternity because of what He's done for us. That is the Christian hope. We're saved by His grace. We're no less saved if we're having a bad day and our emotions are down here. We're no more saved if we're having a great day and our emotions are up here. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, in His love and righteousness. You know what? Jesus didn't come just to make you feel better. Jesus didn't come just to give you a more comfortable ride to judgment. And I'm so glad He didn't. Jesus didn't just come to, to let us feel better until we face judgment and, and hell. But at the same time, Jesus didn't come just to give us a free ticket to heaven and say, here you go, do your best at surviving on earth, but hey mate, it's going to be okay in eternity. Ephesians 2 says, we have been seated with him in the heavenly realms. We have access to God's presence. We, we, the Bible tells us to come boldly before God's throne of grace. We have a relationship with him now and he, he longs for us to, to do life with him. Jesus came that we might be filled with hope. Hope of knowing that He is our Saviour, that He is our God, that He is our King. And to turn us into messengers of hope. Have a listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5. This is Jesus, the light of the world, speaking to His disciples and speaking to us. Matthew chapter 5 verse 14. You are the light of the world. This is Jesus speaking to His disciples. You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp, then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will play, praise your Heavenly Father. Over the next eight weeks, I want to give you a challenge. Now, this is a challenge that uh, I first heard, uh, was given uh, at the CRC conference a couple of years ago, by, uh, I can't remember who it was now. Anyway, doesn't matter. Paul Scanlon, thank you, Kerry. <laughs> I want to give you a 15-minute challenge. And this 15-minute challenge is about, you know those moments in your day when you, you, you're going about the things you've got to do and it's just, there's someone there and they just need a hand. Or maybe you're, you're, you're going about your day and you just feel some prompting in your spirit to go and give that person a call or go and call in on that person and say good day just to see how they're doing. And life goes on, and sometimes we're just like, oh, I'll do it another day. But over the next eight weeks, I want to give you a challenge, if you accept it, that every day for the next eight weeks, every day, you might ask God to, to give you 15 minutes, to, to, to help you give 15 minutes to share hope with someone else. That might mean just... just saying good day and encouraging them. That might mean doing something, doing something for someone at work, helping them out with the job. It might be at home then. You've got 15 minutes, you think, oh, I'll just go and mow the lawn or do the dishes. Or... But I want to, 15 minutes a day, 
You can be a hope bringer just by making yourself available. I look at Jesus and his life on earth. As you read through the Gospels and you see Jesus, and he's on, he's on a mission. He's on the greatest mission there ever was. And as he's going along the road and he's doing the things he does, he stops and turns to the person. He stops and he listens to the person. He stops and he does this thing for that person. He stops and he prays for this person. I want to be a person like Jesus that stops and listens to that person when God's prompting me to. Let's be people that stop for that 15 minutes and, and, and take up the challenge and say, I'm going to be a messenger of hope in this situation. Jesus said, we are the light of the world. And he doesn't say, you are the light of the world, so go and preach it louder, go and preach it longer, go and preach it in more places. He says, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. Our good deeds can be a way of showing people God's love that they might then ask questions and discover God's love. I love this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse, verse 13. It says, three things will last forever, faith, hope and love, and the greatest of these is love. And I see a real connection between faith, hope and love. I think if we, if we don't discover God's love, if we don't have a revelation of God's love, we will never put our faith in Him. And, and to be honest, faith is a gift from God. And it's as we hear the Word of God, as we hear about the love of God, that we have faith stirred within us and, and we can have faith in God. And as we see God's love, as we have faith in our heart, we receive hope for the future. How awesome is that? And I think for us, as we try and share hope with others, evangelism isn't just preaching at people, it's sharing God's hope for eternity. As we share God's love with people, as we love people and, and even just do loving deeds for people, I think it, it stirs something within them that, that allows them to potentially have faith and have hope. We take up the challenge, 15 minutes a day. Say, God, inconvenience me. Go on, I dare you. It's a dangerous prayer to pray. <laughs> For those of us here today, maybe you're, you are in that down place. You're just feeling so discouraged. Maybe emotions are just... You, you, you know the hope you have in Jesus, but your emotions are just getting on top of you. Have a listen to what it says in Psalm 43, verse 5. If you've been reading along in the CFC Daily Bible Reading Plan, you would have read this just last week. Psalm 43. It says, Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Saviour and my God. I hear that psalm and I think that's a, that's a prayer. I think Jonah might have prayed. I think that's a prayer that I reckon I've prayed a lot of times. I reckon that's a prayer that maybe Elisha prayed as he finally got up after eating and drinking and said, okay, off we go. Why am I so discouraged? Why am I so sad? I don't understand this. This makes no sense. Life's good, but I just feel so discouraged right now. Maybe that's how you feel. And yet, even as, as Elisha gets up and, and starts his journey, or Jonah goes back to, and, and preaches to the people, it's almost like saying, declaring to themselves, I will put my hope in God. I don't feel like it, I don't feel full of hope, but I will put my hope in Jesus Christ. I will praise Him again, my Saviour and my God. We need to declare that to ourselves. We need to tell ourselves and remind ourselves that's why it's so good to come to church and, and to sing songs that tell us of His love and His graciousness towards us. To remind ourselves to praise Him again. I'm going to ask the band to come and we're going to close in just a minute. 
I just want to read one last verse from Hebrews chapter 16. Actually, it's a couple of verses, but Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 16. It says, Now when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath, so that those who have received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, because God can be trusted, because God is faithful, because God is true, therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest. God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful always. Can you say that? God is faithful. We can have confidence in Him. He is the anchor for our souls. Through every storm we go through, His anchor holds firm. And if we just stay relying on Him, we can have hope no matter what situation we might be going through. Number one, I want to say, come and take refuge in Him. Come and take refuge in Jesus Christ. If you've never called on Him and said, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Today, you can call on His name. You can take refuge in Jesus and know the hope He has for you. Number two, no matter what emotions you might be going through today, praise Him again. Praise Him again. We're going to sing one last song in a minute. And I encourage you, open your mouth and praise Him again. And number three, I want to ask you, allow God to use you as His messenger of hope. Allow God to use you as a light in your world, to be a messenger of hope, to bring hope through your words, through your actions. Our mission statement as a church is to live and communicate the power of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We want to live it and we want to communicate it. Just now as we sing this song, uh, I encourage you, if you'd like prayer, to come forward. If you've made that decision today and said, oh, I want to put my hope in Jesus Christ, you've made that decision for the first time, we'd love to pray with you. And we're going to sing this song. I love this song. I think it's going to become a bit of an anthem over the next eight weeks. I have this hope as an anchor for my soul. Through every storm, I will hold to you. With endless love, all my fear is swept away. In everything, I will trust in you. There is hope in the promise of the cross. You gave everything to save the world you love. And this hope is an anchor for my soul. Can we stand this morning? Can we declare it? And if you'd like prayer, please come now as we declare that Jesus is the anchor for our soul.